You can't go out playing golf having fun. Fun, senor, you have obviously never played wing foot. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. You've got to be kidding me, Vegas. I'm on night. There's my picks for this week. Now, if you want next week's picks, I can give you those by Friday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 12 of the Wing Foot Locks. We are coming down to the final stretch here of the NFL season, and we are going to go out with winners getting stronger as the year comes to an end. Greg Hoyle is with us this week live and in living color. Chris Portente, he said he's got the sniffles this week. We've been taken away. we got a double buy, I think, in this league here. But he has already posted the Wing Foot Lock of the Week. Check it out on the Instagram page. It's, of course, at Wingfoot Sports to see what we've got going this week for the Wingfoot Lock. I'm leaving that one to Chris. But Greg and I have got a couple really good picks for you this week. And don't forget to follow Greg with the hashtag according to Hoyle on Twitter where he's putting out winners each week. All right. Greg has a new system that we're trying out this week. So we're going to let him start. There's a lot to like in Cincinnati this week where the Pittsburgh Steelers go on the road to face the Cincinnati Bengals. Pittsburgh, of course, coming off that ridiculous ending in the Thursday night game where Mason Rudolph got clocked in the head with his own helmet. And Cincinnati coming off a road loss, yet a cover, the Bungles uh, losing 17-10 to the Oakland Raiders. The Bengals at home for this one right now getting 6.5 over under 39 or 38, depending on where you're looking right now. Greg, what do you like in this one? Uh, under 38. So, um, you know, don't even get me started on just the, the Steelers being a six point favorite on the road. Um, especially after the, the drama filled nonsense that happened there, but, uh, just essentially Cincinnati can't score. Pittsburgh's defense has been pretty stout all year. Um, but Pittsburgh's got what Juju out. I think the number two wide receiver is probably going to be out. Connor's out. Captain check down uh, to Jalen Samuels. I mean, all you have to do is realize that he's just going to dump off and dump off and dump off. Um, and I think, you know, it's a division game, which is usually going to be close these uh these divisional games in this division this is a pretty hapless one with two really bad offenses and two really bad quarterbacks so uh fear here is a defensive score but i'm not going to bet on that um and you're going to pound the ball with joe mixon they've been feeding him to just basically get out of games the the oakland raiders secondary is like one of the worst secondaries in the league. They're at least bottom 10 and uh, the Bengals couldn't score on them. And uh, they just continue to hand off to Joe Mixon. So um, I've already got, I don't think I have the best number at 38, but I already got my selection in there. 2017, more realistically, 17, 13, that type of score um, I think is more, uh, realistic 14, 10 type of situation. So it's, yeah, bet against the quarterbacks. Um, and really there's just, uh, uh, you know, a state of flux there with Pittsburgh as well as they lose an offensive lineman from that brawl. Um, also, so it's, it's just depleted everywhere. 
and not just any offensive lineman, their starting center, Marquise Pouncey, is going to be out for this one. He's obviously, you saw with him coming to the aid of Mason Rudolph, he is the attitude and the leader on that offensive line. It is going to be definitely interesting to see how they can respond when they're just so shorthanded. I think Pittsburgh ends up pulling this one out by a field goal. But the other thing is, if you like a game where the total is going to be under 38 points and you're getting right now at six and a half. If you, if it goes to seven, which it might, because the Bengals are zero and 10 this year, let's not forget. Then you're getting a touchdown in a game where there's going to be fewer than 38 points scored. I think you got to like the Bengals with that as well. Um, you know, we saw last week, they kept it within a touchdown on the road against an Oakland team that is playing well this season. That is in line for a playoff spot. And of course, some of that came because of turnovers by Derek Carr, uh, and Jacobs had a fumble in that one too. Uh, but that defense is still, is still pretty solid out there for Cincinnati. And you know that this is a bitter rival between the Steelers and the Bengals. And one more factor here, Greg, the Steelers have the Browns again next week, right? These teams just played each other and you don't think that they're just stewing and saying, I want to get back at the Browns and looking a little, just a little bit ahead to that rematch with Cleveland. And look, we're not a big revenge spot type thing here, but man, this is such a tough stretch when you ended that game so emotionally the way you did uh, against the Browns that I think this one is, is get a win and get out of Dodge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they win this one, I think it's by a field goal. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals get their first win of the season. Cause unless you're betting on Owen 16 for them, you got to pick a spot. This seems just like a good spot for the Bengals. So I'll take, I love the under and I will take the Bengals plus six and a half might wait at this one. I'll, I'll take it, scoop it up at six and a half might bet it again. If it goes to seven. All right. The next game we're going to go on is the other side of that Steelers matchup that we were just talking about the Cleveland Browns playing host to the Miami dolphins this week. The dolphins winning streak came to an end. Their two game winning streak came to an end last week against the Buffalo bills and Cleveland. Now, I don't know. I, he I heard people during that Thursday night football game talking about Cleveland and playoffs. Still seems like a pipe dream to me. I don't know what they're smoking. Browns are minus 10 and a half in this one. Uh, Greg, the, the fish, the stinky fish have been, you know, Jekyll and Hyde for us this season. Uh, but we, what, what's your lean in this one? Yes. So what is it? Mr. Suspension himself uh, said, I don't see any reason why we can't finish 10 and six. Well, when your best player gets suspended for just a ridiculous act, uh, well, that's a pretty good reason. It takes another defensive lineman with them. They already had somebody in the secondary gone. I, I forget the guy's name. Um, but so, so that's three starters in the defense. Cleveland didn't totally, they're, they're kind of used to, I think they spent like three or four games with, uh, uh, with starters being out in their secondary earlier on, but it was aided by the pass rush, right? So when you had Garrett and the the defensive line giving a good push up there, uh, I took a lot of the load off from the secondary. So totally, it's the the look ahead spot here where you got um, Pittsburgh coming up. Uh, next week, that's I think that's a big. They're sandwiched in between the the Pittsburgh games, so it's uh, to me the distractions. You've got a whole ten days to be distracted about this. Yeah. Uh, I want to go in and make sure 
Um, a couple of these other points are getting, uh, I have adverse events on here because I do think adverse events can galvanize a team and make them play better. Um, but I also do think like, I mean, what's it? Freddie kitchens is this, that that's the name of the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any faith in his ability to keep the team together. Baker, same deal. The wide receivers don't really care what's going on. So I like, I like the uh, points in this one. And just like we were saying against the Bills um, weeks ago, not not this last game against the Bills, but weeks ago when they were getting 17, you know, double-digit favorites, um, you got to earn those, those type of uh, numbers. And I, I just really don't see it um, with Cleveland there. A couple of – couple of wins here, but, but still they shouldn't be laying 10 and a half. So I'm going to scoop those up. I'm going to sprinkle a little on the over. Uh, Cause I do think it's going to go back and forth, but Fitzmagic will give me a back end cover if we needed to. <laughs> yes. The back end cover is always open. Uh, the back door is always open there with Ryan Fitzpatrick at QB. You know, I think you said it though. You said you're going to, you kind of just dropped it in there. They're going to sprinkle a little on the over always this time of year, guys, you got to pay attention to the weather reports. Uh, with, with especially a team like Miami going to Cleveland. I don't know right now what the weather's going to be. Greg, maybe you could look that up while I touch on one other point here. But uh, the Cleveland offense, I, I like the overplay in this as well because the Cleveland offense has looked like a different offense really since Kareem Hunt came back for them too. And I think a lot of people forgot that because since he was suspended uh, to start the season here, but they have been using him as a receiver out of the backfield. I think uh, Nick Chubb can get a spell from him. And I don't think you have a big downgrade when he's your second back coming in. Uh, so he can be effective out of the backfield too. And I honestly think that that is open things up a little bit for Odell Beckham Jr. And Jarvis Landry who have been good as of late. So I think Cleveland's Offense is going to continue to take the step forward that it's had so far this season. But as you mentioned, all of the holes on their defense right now, I just their defense was sparse to begin with. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you overcome two defensive linemen uh, and at least one, if not two players out in their secondary. So you got to check that between suspensions and uh, injuries. You know what's going on over there as we get closer to Sunday. But I, I think that if the weather plays into it, I like the over as well. Um, but 10 and a half in this one, I, I, I Cleveland's not a, a team that really can step on your throat right now. I feel like they're a team that if, even if they do get up, they're not going to put this one away. And so I love the backdoor option. I would scoop it up at 10 and a half before it goes down. You got a weather report there, uh, Aki weather forecast there, Greg. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Cause I, I had the, uh, Pittsburgh is 47 and, and likely to rain, which played into the under there. Uh, but Cleveland, even though it's pretty darn close there, looks like 44 slight chance of rain. But uh, uh, 15 mile per hour wind is what it's it's saying. So I, these are things I'm going to look into probably Saturday night. Um, if you know, I'd probably stay away from the over until I confirm Saturday night that it's not going to rain. Uh, cause then I think it'll be a little easier to, to air it out. Yeah. But even if, even if it's not raining, you got to look at those wind gusts, wind might play a bigger role in the passing game and the kicking game, obviously, uh, than even a little rain might. So a 15 mile per hour gust, that's pretty big if they're going there for that one. All right, we'll move on to the next game. The Atlanta Falcons have looked like an absolute juggernaut the last two games as they've won on the road against the Saints and then on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Now, the question is, can they come home and continue the success they've had as a favorite? They host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a division game. Falcons four and a half favorites in this one over under of 52. 
Greg, you've been digging deep into this one. What have you found with the numbers? You know, so the biggest thing here is just public perception, uh, right? Anyone with uh, two eyes and ears can see that um, Jameis Winston has just been very, very difficult uh, to really put good money on. And the Falcons look like world beaters. So when I was doing a little bit of research in this, uh, there's there's about 70% of the money's going in on the Falcons. And that, that line's moving up a little bit. Uh, but really, like I'm not going to overreact to the last couple of weeks here. I mean, Jameis has always been flawed. Um, I don't think Tampa's a great team, but I don't think Atlanta is this team of world beaters here that's going to just rifle off, you know, eight more wins or you know five more wins to the end of the season. So over a field goal, um, give me the four points uh, again, right? You know, Jameis is somebody that. Um, can put some points on the board there. We're, we're in a dome, right? So um, weather's not a factor, you know. And and uh, and quite frankly, I, I do still like uh, Bruce Arians um, to have the, the coaching advantage here. I do like what Atlanta did with the defense, taking that away from Quinn. Um, you know, but at the same point, uh, you know, I like Bruce Arians against uh, Quinn. Some of these interceptions are totally Jameis's fault, but other ones like the O.J. Howard one are just ridiculous. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to take the points, hold my nose and see how it goes. Yeah, let's not forget, though, that some of those bounces have even gone our way and they still couldn't get a cover. I don't know if you remember, but that game against Seattle, we had a ball bounce off right into the receiver's hands for Tampa Bay, and we still only came up with a push. Thanks, kickers. Yeah, uh, thanks, Myers. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, kickers. That's going to be my uh, – we're going to get a shirt that starts with the hash – put a hashtag, thanks, kickers, on it. Um, but, yeah, so so even the bounces, when, when the bounces have gone their way, they haven't been able to do it. You know, I, I look at this Atlanta team, and I – feel like they had some injuries come into the season. Ito Smith got injured uh, this season as well. And apparently before the game against the Saints, the team got an ultimatum that they said they were going to use that game as a measuring measuring stick to evaluate the coaching staff going forward. And I mean, look, I had thought that Dan Quinn was a good coach. And regardless of whether he's got the X's and O's down, he's clearly got his guys in his corner because they have stepped up big over the past two weeks. I think that that definitely helped them uh, ride that game against the Saints. And I think a little bit of that momentum carried over into the Carolina game. Uh, I, you know, I, it's hard pressed to me to for me to think that this team, though, is a juggernaut. Now, they did move some people around coaching wise, gave some promotions to their I believe it was their wide receivers coach. They moved over to defense um, mm-hmm. and and things have seemed to be working for them there. But, you know, I think they'll get a real test this week because those wide receivers for the Buccaneers are just absolute studs, in my opinion, and Evans and and Godwin. And, um, you know, I, I think that this game is, is a close one because uh, both of these teams, you know, want to get a win against a division rival. Um, and God, how bad must was it Ryan Griffin? I think Ryan Griffin is the backup quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But how bad must he be that he can't even get a look? with Jameis Winston throwing as many interceptions as he is right now. I feel like he's a, a turnover waiting to happen. And I think they had, um, I forget who it was, Greg, but they got somebody in the offseason. It was the guy from, uh, 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 shoot, he played for San Francisco, and then I think he was with uh, the Titans last year. He was supposed to be their backup. 
Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, but he got he got injured before the season started. And so I think that that's interesting that he he would probably be starting right now, I think, if he was healthy. But he's, uh, you know, obviously on IR for the rest of the year. Um, but I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be well served looking for a quarterback in the offseason. So you're going to take the points with the book. Go ahead. I was going to say the world's seen enough of Blaine Gabbard quarterbacking football games. So not, not happy that he got injured, but I'm thrilled that we are not subject to watching him play quarterback. Cause at least Winston's entertaining and he, he looks hilarious from time to time. He'll look like the most athletic guy on the field and then he'll just look funny. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's just entertaining. So yeah. Yep. So a couple of hold your noses. All right. Well, you know, speaking of quarterbacks that we thought we had seen enough of, I'm going to go to Tennessee where the tight, the Ryan Tannehill led Titans are hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee three point favorites in this one coming off the bye. the Jaguars coming off a bad loss to the Indianapolis Colts. And man, you know, I know, Greg, you had the Nick Foles roller coaster ride experience in Philadelphia. Uh, but Foles before that game against, uh, the Colts was apparently contemplating retirement again, whether or not he was going to play. And he looked like he made the wrong decision against the Colts deciding to come back to football, uh, obviously returning from that injury. Uh, I love, love the Titans in this one laying the three points. I think coming off the bye is huge for them. I think that they are still very much in that AFC South race, uh, which is at five and five right now. Uh, and I also really like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think that defense is really good. Uh, and I think they might've found a little something in, in Ryan Tannehill. I don't know how much of an upgrade is he is over Marcus Mariota. Speaking of Jameis Winston, Mariota and Winston obviously tied together, uh, for their careers, but I think Tannehill has proven that he he doesn't force the ball as much as Mariota might have. He he's better at choosing when to run. He might not be as good an athlete when he actually gets out there, but I think he makes better decisions when to run and picks up some key first downs. Um, and I think that the, the 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 Jaguars just don't have enough talent right now, um, from what I've seen. They've obviously gone through turmoil trading away Jalen Ramsey, and uh, I think DJ Shark has stepped up there for them offensively. But, um, you know, I just don't think they have enough weapons around Nick Foles. And with a quarterback's mindset who doesn't seem to be in the game, uh, I think I'm going to go with the Titans in this one. Now, Greg, you Foles was in Philadelphia. And I think this is important to think about right now. Foles was in Philadelphia when he had that monster year when uh, Chip Kelly was the coach, right? Yep. And then he went where after that? St. Louis. And and St. Louis, he was contemplating whether or not he was going to play football, right? And yeah, he, he had a working with Jeff Fisher. Yeah, well, I, I get it. Well, who, who's he working with now? Doug Marone? Mm. Sorry, SU. <laughs> um, that is, but, but right now he's contemplating, like his head's not in the game, but he was terrible. He was terrible over with, with St. Louis. And I, I don't know that, yeah, then St. Louis, now LA Rams. Um, but he was terrible with the Rams. And if his head's not in the game, I don't think you can play at the NFL level if your head's not in there. Um, so I, I really like that talk and chatter going on right now. I'll go I'll go with the Titans and lay the three in this one. What do you think, Greg? 
Uh, I am in agreement, but the only counterpoint that I have is the guy went two months without playing a football game. I think a little bit of rust was to be expected. A little upset that I didn't, you know, sit there and kind of play that into factor and and scoop up Indy last week. But uh, that's my only thing for the the public perception thing. Um, I just, yeah, put a little bit of a notch that like, hey, don't overreact with Nick Foles' first game in two months being pretty bad. Uh, I think it's, you know, expected to be pretty bad. Yeah, he's I think not, he's not Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, fair enough. And well, let's not forget though the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill just beat Patrick Mahomes two weeks ago. They're coming off that huge win, um, and they, they just look really balanced right now. I like those receivers out there. Um, obviously, Henry's they they are committed to running the ball. I, that's what I really liked when they came out after halftime of that game against the chiefs, they really went back to the run and, and Henry had a good game and, and they managed to score a, a ton of points there, albeit against a, a softer Kansas city defense. But, you know, I think one thing that's interesting, you mentioned public perception there. I don't think public perception is ever very high on the Tennessee Titans. They are not a sexy team and they're not a team that a lot of people talks about. And they started this with defense and running the ball. And I think that, that is probably the last way you're going to get public support on there. And I, I just think that the Titans are a team that is quietly moving along that still has a chance to make the playoffs and could cause some some damage if they get there. So uh, I'll take the Titans and lay the three points at home. All right, we got another three-point game as the San Francisco 49ers host the Green Bay Packers. San Fran, three-point favorites uh, as they host the Packers. They're coming off that miraculous cover or maybe just uh, just one if you had uh, Arizona, depending on when you got the number, 10-point win over the Cardinals. And uh, Green Bay coming off their bye week, correct, Greg? Yeah. So you are rolling with the pack in this one. Why do you like them? Yeah, so um, give me one second here because I do think – sorry, a little dead air here while I get this prepared. No worries. I'll fill it with elevated music. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this not pulling up? Uh, all right. At this point in time, right, you have the, the Niners, right? They're, they're – in the world is this information so difficult what do you need maybe right, i have it are, are, no i i finally got it right so let's think about the quarterbacks that um the niners have beaten and then let's think about when they went up against a good quarterback so the only game that they played a good quarterback was seattle lost by three right so they're playing the likes of allen backup case keenum Jared Goff, and, and um, I'm putting him in the not a great uh, quarterback bucket here. Um, but I just don't see very many impressive wins. Right? It's impressive to go 8-0 or whatever they started the year off with. Um, and I don't think Green Bay is particularly great on the road. But coming off the the bye, getting healthy, Aaron Jones has looked good. They, they can pound the ball. Um, Devontae Adams is finally back. And then you have – you know, basically that depth chart of wide receivers, everyone moves down a notch uh, with a little bit more experience uh, with Devontae Adams being back there. So <clears throat> I have an advantage um, just from number one, the buy. Um, number two, 
my perception of the Niners is not really what everyone else's is because I think there are some pretty hollow wins in there against some pretty terrible quarterbacks. Um, I do give the advantage to the Niners uh, from a coaching standpoint. Um, but I, I think that quarterback versus quarterback, uh, Jimmy G, for, in my experience, looks a little bit razzled if uh, if they fall behind. And the big thing, and this is what we mentioned before our call here, that we were playing a lot of situations, but the injuries, right? Debo Samuel, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Kittle, um, Staley, the, the tackle. We'll figure out if all these guys are playing. Um, but if I can catch three points right now, Emmanuel Sanders tried to tough it out. He was out in like the first or second quarter there. Uh, and quite frankly, Debo Samuel's going to drop as many balls as he catches. Um, so <laughs> if that's the if that's the replacement there, um, then I, I like myself with the points for Green Bay. Um, I, I don't mind them winning outright, but if I'm getting three, for it's looking like it might go to three and a half the second it goes to three and a half. I'm going to scoop it up. You know, I think you make a great point, though. I think if, if you do find that all of those guys are going to be out, and if you like the Packers now at three, then this can only get better, right? If you assume all of those guys are going to play and you like the Packers at three, then scoop it up now because if they do all play, then uh, that number – oh, it's, actually, no, the number would move in your favor, right? We would think – If all the guys – played uh it would probably and that's probably what you're seeing here why it's a minus one friday night is you're probably seeing guys clear i don't have i checked the injury report this morning not this afternoon so i don't know who suited up who was limited who was full um so that that's probably some good news coming out but but again it's four people i mean really i just care about the tackle and the tight end um, that's, right. that's, that's, what's important to me. All right. Yeah. So definitely pay attention to that as we get closer to Sunday, um, with, when it comes to the injury report, obviously. All right. And that brings us to our last game of the week. The Denver Broncos headed to Buffalo to take on the bills bills, four point favorites in this one. They are coming off a big win over the Miami dolphins to try. I, I call it the get right game for the Buffalo bills where Denver played the game of their season and couldn't get a win over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Greg and I are on the same side of this one. Uh, we're going to circle the wagons with the Buffalo Bills. I'll let you start, Greg. Why do you like Buffalo in this one? Yeah, so it's funny. Another thing that we brought up is that, uh, you know, shattered hopes type scenario, right? After, like, how do you, I don't think, I don't know what the data was, but it's it's a, it's a very terrible uh, thing that not many people have done to be up by 20, to nothing at half and lose the game. And they got super conservative. It was so 97. Fact. It was 97 and O teams leading at halftime. <laughs> um, and, and now there's a little bit of chirping internally there between, you know, their terrible head coach. And I've never even heard of this offensive coordinator, um, but whatever happened is they tightened it up. Right. So the, the, the pressure of beating somebody better than them got to them. Um, and, and so I think there's got to be a letdown in that situation. And again, I'm going to stack. I pushed on the bills when they went on the road to, um, to Cleveland, right? It was kind of a stinky line, um, but uh, but I stayed with it, and it was just a flat out push, right? There was there was no right answer there. But in this situation, it's three and a half, and uh, 
I've got the clear, better quarterback. I like Buffalo's coach. Uh, there's no infighting going on there. I want to pay attention to John Brown um, and see if he's playing. But quite frankly, he's going to get shadowed by Harris regardless. So I think Buffalo is going to get their scoring on, on the ground. Um, and I don't really like Denver – um, to do much scoring. I think Buffalo's defense can contain the wide receivers. Um, and again, just general, general letdown with a head coach and a quarterback that are not going to be used to blowing a game like that. And I'm going to put one more on for the Buffalo bills here. The Broncos have three offensive linemen right now who are starters that are questionable or out for the week. So I think one of them is out. Two more starters are questionable at this point. And they've got a fourth offensive lineman who's questionable, but I think he's a backup, not a starter. Obviously he would be put into action if uh, all those guys were out in this one. So I, I really like the bills coming home. I think that that defense, I just, I just don't see how the Broncos are going to score in this one. Uh, and I think that that is just, you know, in Buffalo, that fan base is, is tasting the playoffs as they're seven and three right now. Uh, yeah. and I think that's a tough place to play. Uh, and I think that they are going to, to circle the wagons and it's a good spot for them right now, right? They just played their division game down in Miami, got to get right a little bit, come on home. Uh, and I think next week they don't have, uh, I know it's not a rivalry game, Greg. Let me check really quick for you who the Bills have next week, but it, it wasn't a look-ahead spot for them. It's not. Yeah, so it's not divisional. I think The it's Cowboys. Actually, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's actually a good opponent, so I think they, they the mindset should be we got to win this one uh, because we likely won't win next week type of situation. And two things to – tack on here because we talked about public perception before I did dock the bills for public perception off of that 17 uh, point win against the dolphins. Right. Because mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not overreacting to that at all. Um, and one of the notes that you brought up, I have O line Denver question mark right next to John Brown question mark. Yep. Uh, so that that's a big thing because you, you know, you can hurt Buffalo on the ground, but if you can't block it, then you, you really can't do that. Absolutely. All right. So we're rolling with the bills minus four in this one. I'll review the picks for you one more time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus four and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. We like the, I like the Cincinnati Bengals plus six and a half. If you can get them plus seven as they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Greg likes the under a 38 in that one. We're both rolling with the stinky fish plus 10 and a half as they head to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Uh, we, I like the uh, Tennessee Titans laying the three Greg put a little bit of a caution on that, but he's on the same side and Greg is rolling with the Packers plus three. I miss anything there, Greg. Did you say Tampa? I said Tampa. Started with that one. All right. We nailed them all. Check them out on Twitter. Hashtag according to Hoyle. Listen, don't forget that things are changing close to game time. Remember to follow the weather. Remember to follow the latest injury reports. Greg is good about updating it uh, on Twitter right before we go to kickoff. So make sure you follow him. Hashtag according to Hoyle. And don't forget the lock of the week this week is on Instagram. Go check it out at Wingfoot Sports. Follow us, like us, subscribe, all that good stuff so you get things as soon as they come out. For Greg Hoyle, Chris Portente, who's on the bye week, Joe Masseri, that's me. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Wingfoot Locks brought to you by Wingfoot Sports. And until next time, everybody, remember, it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether or not you cover the spread. Have a great weekend, everyone. Yeah.